Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you The Seminarians, a dialogue with students from the Pontifical College Josephinum, produced by AM820 to encourage and inspire vocations to the religious life. And now, The Seminarians. Welcome to The Seminarians Show. I'm Gordon Mott. From the Great Diocese of Columbus, Ohio, batting for the home team. Joining me are Dalton Irvin from Victoria, Texas, and Jonathan Torres from the Great Diocese of Charlotte, North Carolina. The uh, I thought that we would start with a quote and then we'll pray and get into it. Um, the quote's from John Paul, the, Pope John Paul II, Pope St. John Paul II. The world you're inheriting is a world which desperately needs a new sense of brotherhood and human solidarity. It's a world that needs to be touched and healed by the beauty and richness of God's love. It needs witnesses to that love. The world needs salt. It needs you to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we give you thanks for the gift of life and for the gift of this day. We ask you to give us the grace that we need in order to embrace everything that comes with it as fully as you intend for us to, and to, to reap the riches that you have for us in it. We ask you for especially an increase in the holy virtues of faith, hope, and love, so that we may always grow to love you more deeply, to always root all of our hope in you, and to love you more deeply and fervently, and by extension, all of your children. We ask this in your most holy and perfect name, as we pray in the words you taught us, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I thought that today we could talk about the new evangelization. The uh, So the term was first used by Pope Paul VI in his encyclical, Evangelization in the Modern World, which was a follow-up to kind of the seeds for the call for the new evangelization present in all of the documents of the Second Vatican Council. And so I thought that we could start with the question, which is, what is the new evangelization? And do we really need a new evangelization? <laughs> <laughs> Tough question. Good question. <laughs> um, I think the new evangelization is, right, it's saying in a new way, but not new. Mm. It's, it's preaching the same gospel of Jesus Christ, this message of salvation for all people. Um, that Christ has come into this world and redeemed us from sin and death and lifting us from that um, fall of Adam. Uh, but we have to figure out how to preach it in a new way mm-hmm. in this new world. Yeah. Um, because obviously, as I think we can all kind of attest to in our own families, um, there are people who heard the same message you heard, um, whether it's brothers and sisters or cousins, but they sat in the same pews those same Sundays. And for some reason, here we are in seminary, and they don't even go to mass anymore. Yeah, um, yeah. Or, or, you know, they don't even believe in anything anymore. Mm. And so the new evangelization is this attempt um, to preach that same message, but in a new way. Mm-hmm. How do, how can we strike um, these ears that have become deaf to this great saving mystery? Yeah, uh, in a new way. Yeah. Well, there's definitely a a lot to kind of take out of that. That, that lived experience, right? I mean, so uh, a recent survey, which is actually a survey of surveys, it's been going on 25 years now, uh, by a Catholic researcher named William D'Antonio, uh, found 
among other things, that only 23% of U.S. Catholics attend Mass once a week, uh, while 77% of them proudly self-identify as Catholic. And so there's a there's a real disparity, right, between, you know, this idea of living a Catholic life versus, you know, well, yeah, oh, yeah, you know, I'm Catholic and I'm proud of it. So, you know, I suppose, you know, and, and I suppose a lot of that has to do with kind of a, a lack of, of good solid catechesis, right? The, um, so maybe we can, we can talk about that, like the need for a very real catechesis to deal with things or dealing with the modern culture and especially yeah. the current modern culture of, I want instant answers to difficult questions. Mm-hmm. And if Google can't provide it, then it's not worth having. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, well, one of the problems that we're facing, um, and this goes back to maybe the, an issue with the enlightenment that everything can just be reduced to our material reality around us. Um, and, and how the church, um, how the church, uh, operates in, this world where we're so we're so much more tempted to believe that um, our our material reality around us is all that there is, um, and so you know with the advent of all those philosophers that came during the um, Enlightenment period, like Descartes, um, that really wanted to strip uh, faith um, away from reason. Uh, you have the advent of um, uh, you know as, as science is making huge leaps in. Um, in technology and and so it, it seems like the temptation to say that like this is all that there is and this is you know all we need is what we we are able to build and do ourselves um it, it does beg the question like what is the relevance of the church yeah um and so i think that's the, that's the conundrum that we're finding ourselves in right now um and like dalton said it's you know very succinctly uh to say what we've been saying nothing new but in a new way um, so, and that's the challenge of, um, the new evangelization. Well, yeah. So, I mean, so there's definitely a need to kind of approach these things in, in a new way. So we've all heard these statistics about like, you know, you know, 50% of Catholics don't believe in the real presence, but I mean, this, it's, it, the, the statistics really lie in about 63% do, but what's interesting is of the people that believe in the real presence, seventeen percent of them are uncatechized. Mm. They're completely unfamiliar with the church's teaching on the real presence, and yet they still profess a faith in the real presence, right? Yeah. So it seems like part of it is a need to find a new way to engage these people that we've been. I mean, you're right. Like we've been saying the same thing, but apparently, at some point, there's been a disconnect where there's not an ability to receive the thing as it's said, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, I think one really good example of what is the new evangelization um, can be seen just in the catechism that my parents were taught with versus the catechism I was taught with. Mm -hmm. Um, You look at the first paragraph of John Paul II's catechism from 1983. It starts in the prologue in this very beautiful, almost poetic story of salvation history from creation through man's fall, mm. through the prophets, and then finally in Jesus Christ and the proclamation of the kingdom and the founding of the church. What were my parents? And that, so it talks about why did God create man, right? Mm-hmm. In an act of sheer goodness, God freely, lovingly created man. Mm. Well, my parents were taught with why did God create man? God created man to know, love, and serve God in right. this life in order to spend <laughs> eternity with him in the next. Okay, same thing, 
presented differently. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I think that's a, a difficulty that we've struggled with in terms of Catholic education, right? Is like, is the faith a thing that's received or is it a thing that's memorized? Mm-hmm. You know, right. there's a difference between being able to recall a list of facts and having an understanding of those facts and being able to live those things out, mm-hmm. right? The, um, because I, I've run a lot across a lot of, uh, you know, confirmation uh, candidates that, you know, they, they know their, their, you know, corporal works of mercy and spiritual works of mercy. It's like, okay, well, oh, they got me beat. You know, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, well, how are those things lived out? You're like, w- w- what does that mean? You know, it's like, well, um, <laughs> the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but here's the deal: what that was with the. I love the Baltimore Catechism. I think it's a, a great teaching tool. It's yeah. what I used to teach my uh, CCD class last year. But there's something about. This, like you were saying, Gordon, this memorization, it's the same in education, Yeah. right? Just because you know your times tables doesn't mean you understand anything about math. Right. It just means, you know, five times six is 32. Yeah. No, I know it's 30, but but it's this, this idea that standardized testing, right? Yeah. As long as you can get the answers out, well then check it out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Instead of the, the liberal arts education which has nothing to do with politics, I've come to know. But uh, <laughs> liberal arts education, which is this this full integration of the human person yeah. and, and, and knowing how to think. Yeah. Not what to think, but how to think. Exactly. And, and that's the age-old distinction that Socrates makes is just the difference between true opinion, like 2 plus 2 equals 4, and true knowledge, understanding how 2 plus 2 equals 4. And I think so. that's what the new evangelization is, is yeah. not mm. necessarily the dogmas and the facts not necessarily um, the corporal works of mercy or the spiritual yeah. works of mercy, which I do know what they are, <laughs> but it's it's the why. Yeah. Yeah. People have forgotten why. Like, yeah. why do we have corporal works of mercy and where do they come right, from? Right, right. It comes from the life of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. This mm-hmm. person who loved us so much, the Son of God, who took on our flesh and suffered on the cross. Right. And so often, you know, catechesis in the old days, and, you know, I still know a lot of um, uh, priests that you know, operate this way, um, to, to just tell their, their parishioners, obey the commandments, don't sin. And that's how you get to heaven. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, St. Augustine said, obeying the commands, commandments is only the beginning of virtue, um, mm-hmm. of holiness. Um, and so we need to look at this, our faith in this very positive life, um, in a positive light, um, that, that includes happiness and joy. And like you said, you know, the um, uh, the differences between the two catechisms, um, the way that it's it begins poetically and speaking about freedom um, and happiness, that's that that's more appealing than, you know, the hellfire that, you know, uh, yeah. you know, don't avoid hell and just, um, you know, it's not just about avoiding hell, it's getting to heaven. Right? Well, and the, there's, there's a lot of value, I think, in what you were talking about that has to kind of be delivered in this kind of hermeneutic of happiness and joy, right? Mm-hmm. So when uh, Bishop Campbell uh, every year does his rite of welcoming you know, for the, the the new candidates for RCIA, he's, I love Bishop Campbell. I mean, it's not that I'm biased or anything. It's the man sly like a fox. And so every year he does this little impromptu survey. And he says, now out of curiosity, you know, who all here is, is, is here because they read a good book and you'll see a couple of people raise their hands and, you know, how many people are here because of something that they heard on the radio or on television and you'll see a couple of hands go up and he says, and he'll say now out of curiosity, 
how many are here because they knew somebody and they didn't know why, but they knew that they wanted what that person had. And then the whole room lights up with hands, right? Mm-hmm. And then he just looks around and says, now let this be a lesson to all of you catechists here. The, uh, which is just so brilliant. It's this image that sticks in your head for forever. This idea, and you know, it might be worth kind of fleshing this out, is that the, the faith is really inherently incarnational. And so long as it's at the level of lists that are to be memorized, and okay, I memorized my lists, and so now I, I, I got my Catholic graduation in, mm-hmm. um, then there's not a chance for it to seep into the interiority, right? right? So let's do our break real fast. We'll come back and let's talk about the faith as an incarnational thing, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, yeah. So you're listening to the Seminarian Show on St. Gabriel Radio, AM 820. You can hear this show every Saturday at 1130 and every Sunday at 1 o'clock and in the audio archives at stgabrielradio.com. I'm Gordon Mott. Batting for the home team from the Great Diocese of Columbus, Ohio. Joining me are Dalton Irvin from Victoria, Texas, and Jonathan Torres from Charlotte, North Carolina. So we were just talking about this, like, what does it mean to say that the faith is is incarnational? Or what does it mean to talk about, like, a, a road to Damascus, you know? The, um, you know, can we maybe talk about an encounter that you had that really affected your your faith journey or, like, you know, a person that was really kind of influential, the way that they, they lived their life was like, oh crap, you know, and this just start kind of started something on fire inside of you. Well, before I get my wheels turning in my head, why don't you, why don't you give us an example, Gordon? (laughs) (laughs) I love that look that you get on your face when your eyes get turning. So, so I, I I was an adult convert and I had a, a coworker, um, whose name was, was Lori. And I, I, I was familiar with Catholicism and I wasn't, you know, super ready to start signing up for anything yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this lady that I worked with had a very difficult life and there, there wasn't a lot about it that many people would envy. I mean, just difficulty on top of difficulty on top of difficulty. But I'll tell you, she never stopped smiling, you know always super kind, always kind of gracious, like when there was no human reason to be. Mm -hmm. And that's an attention getter. That was an attention getter for me. It's like, okay, well, wait a minute. You are happy and at peace with absolutely no reason to do so. Um, Tell me more, you Mm. know? And that's kind of what started the conversation that eventually led me down the path. Mm. The, um, but, you know, the um, through kind of my, my lived experience, even as a seminarian, you know, meeting these people who, you know, have these very grace-filled lives um, that you're like, wow, and you are completely at peace because you have this interior knowledge mm-hmm. of, of this intimacy that you enjoy with your Lord Jesus Christ. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm-hmm. You know, it stops being words on a page and starts being a, whoa. Yeah. You know, when you meet some of these people. Um, so I guess, yeah. So you know, have you had, maybe we can talk about, you know, kind of an experience of faith lived and how it might have informed. Yeah, I remember bit. there was um, a very crucial moment in my life um, about 10 years ago. I was helping out at a summer camp 
Um, and I, it, it was exhausting. I mean, we were lifting barrels of hay, working, you know, eight hours under the sun. Um, it, the day began and ended with uh, a holy hour. Well, back um, in my day. Back in my day. <laughs> I'm not that old. Come on. <laughs> Give me a break. Um, but I wasn't used to it. Um, and I remember thinking that this this is rough and I didn't want to be there. But I remember when um, we had our first group of um, uh, campers come in. Um, we we served them throughout the week. And when they left, all the volunteers, uh, we had a bonfire. And it was about one thirty in the morning. And I just remember looking at all these faces that were so happy and energetic, even after they worked so hard and so long. And it just, it hit me. I was like, this world is not about comfort. And and that's what I've been seeking for so many years in my life, (laughs) where I thought that, like, you know, you have to, you know, comfort and, like, what you, you know, do what you want. And and it just, at that point, it just hit me saying, uh, where I realized that happiness resides in meaning, um, Mm -hmm. something that's beyond the material world. And I had, I'd grown up Catholic, but it really didn't become my own until that summer, Um, serving, in service. Um, and being around people like me who were also growing in this way, um, where we were just finding joy in in things that I thought I could never find joy in. And yeah. so that that was a little little bit of my story and how, you know, it is interesting how it's with others, um, you know, the example that other people lead and, the, you know, sharing struggles with other people that we really come to grow um, in our knowledge of, of, of our Lord. So... Yeah, and and I I think, I think a lot of our witness is you know kind of gonna boil down to these sorts of encounters or our ability to kind of be receptive mm-hmm. to these sorts of encounters. Yeah, um, Dalton, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, in a way similar to to Jonathan's story of growing up Catholic, um, I've shared before that I came from a town that really still going back there. It's like walking back in time, um, just. Huge majority Catholicism. Um, most people, German and Czech uh, descent, mm. you know, maybe fourth generation, fifth generation at the most um, in America. Um, and the church was just a central part of life. Um, the church stood at the center of the town. Um, and I don't know, I, I've always just been very interested in churchy things. <laughs> um, maybe that was from growing up next to the church or... I don't know, having an aunt who was a religious sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think looking back from that way where I am now, looking back at my childhood, um, I see it was just the faithful, steadfast example of my pastor, Monsignor Beely, who ended up being pastor of my home parish for 28 years. Mm. Um, right? He celebrated the wedding of my parents. He baptized wow. me and all my siblings. Nice. Um he signed me up for seminary. Uh, all those great things. That, but it was nothing, like you were saying, it was, it was just the, the witness that he gave mm-hmm. day in and day out of faithfully serving this town, um, taking care of the church, taking care of the school. And then as I got a little older and seeing um, some of the struggles that people had and knowing that he was taking care of all these people and their struggles mm. without ever letting on. Mm-hmm. that he was exhausted, that his knees were killing him, yeah. that he was sinking in a lot of his own money to 
to keep buses running and all this for the school so that the school mm. wouldn't go out of over budget. You know, yeah. just these little things. Um, yeah, so it was it was the priest um, and his example um, of of doing it all out of love. Mm. Yeah. Right? Kind of when we started talking about this new evangelization and and that it's not about it's saying the same thing in a new way that. It's about getting back to why do we have corporal works of mercy. Yeah. It made me think of St. Paul when he says, if I speak eloquently but do not have love, it is nothing. I'm nothing. Yeah. Yeah. If this and the other thing, without love, I'm a clashing symbol or mm-hmm. you know, all, mm-hmm. these, all these things that it's useless with, without love. Yeah. Um, and so seeing that this old bohemian pastor um, <laughs> was doing all of this work and at the root of it was love. Yeah, yeah. Now he did it all out of love. He didn't do it to get accolades. He didn't do it. Um, he didn't even do it to get converts to the church because he's in a town that's totally Catholic. Right, right. You know, <laughs> but he's doing it out of out of love for yeah. his flock. Um, and that's been my motivation. I, Looking back my entire life, he was our neighbor, so, mm. so I saw him every day. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's, I think that's even a huge promoter of vocations, right, is like seeing, especially priests, uh, because, you know, being called to live a holy life, it's not good enough just to show up, say mass. And then just, yeah, yeah. You know, the... Uh, Hold on, what? Nobody <laughs> ever told me that. <laughs> the, uh, Get out now. <laughs> but like, you know, I, I think of these priests that have been so kind of influential in my life mm-hmm. that, you know, their entire life is about ministry and really just meeting people with love. You know, whether that's, you know, Father Coleman or Father Pat Toner mm-hmm. or... You know, Father Homer Bluebaugh, you know, and I can go on for another five minutes. It's like, you know, that's the shout out. It's a huge. Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) Um, So maybe, you know, we can, as we go in toward the the end of the show, talk about some of the groups that have been, you know, kind of huge in the the new evangelization Uh, or if you've had any encounters with groups that are part of the new evangelization. Right. So like in my diocese on the east side, um, we have a group of Focolari that live here, which is a group started by Kira Lupic that really kind of focuses on uh, the Second Vatican Council's call for us to engage other groups in conversation mm-hmm. and to really kind of come from this place of of listening and, and talking and sharing. Um, and, you know, this, this lady who is totally worth looking up later, Kira Lupic, um, you know, just lived a completely radical life. She's the first woman to be invited to speak in a in a major mosque, mm. you know, where women weren't even allowed. And it's like, oh no, you you come. You yeah, know? yeah. The uh, and then we've got like St. Paul's Outreach, which does the campus ministry. And then we've got we're lucky enough to have Catholic Youth Summer Camp mm. here in the area. Um, so you know, some of the the groups that. Well, and St. Gabriel Radio, of there, course. There yeah. it is. There it is. The, uh, <laughs> can't forget that. There's the plug. Um, St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, living the new evangelization in Columbus, Ohio, since its inception. The uh, So what about you guys as diocese? You know, are well, there, I, there I, any... Yeah, sure. I, well, on a bigger scale, you have like Word on Fire, led by, you know, Bishop Robert Barron, I think. Well, which is huge, yeah. Yeah, and he's kind of like the 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 model of the new evangelization but you know even in my own faith um growth um listening to you know watching father barons now bishop barons uh videos have been very influential and he's been saying um this message of you know 
nothing new but in a new way he mm-hmm. really epitomizes that um and to and it's funny reading all the comments in youtube on his videos you know seeing how like i'm not you know they'll say i'm not even catholic but this is fascinating <laughs> or you know uh, it's just because what he's saying is very it's very real mm-hmm. and it speaks to i think on a very natural level um talking about um man's freedom and our desire for communion and love um he's really getting at that and i think that that is encapsulates the new evangelization and he's just so smart he's just just very smart (laughs) he's a very smart it's one of these things that i get excited about new media right especially some of these new media evangelization groups like the you know the the sisters of saint paul Mm -hmm. that have their big publishing thing that kind of paved the way for everybody and yeah now you've got like uh you know renewed which is like the netflix of catholic uh media and then all these other media postlets that have popped up yeah but dalton what about you um you know, any personal experience of, uh, you know, these new evangelization groups in yeah, your home the, diocese or elsewhere? Well, not I I won't speak on my home diocese, uh, but Diocese of Victoria in Texas, you keep doing your thing. Great evangelization there. Um, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Sitting at about 42% Catholic. Right on. Um, but in my experience, uh, St. Mary's Catholic Student Center at Texas A&M, uh, one of the, I mean, it is the leading Catholic student center, um, the model for, for universities in America. Mm. But just seeing the way that they're able, um, right, they're not saying anything new, but they're able to create an atmosphere for college students who are really in in the most vulnerable time in their lives, uh, Mm. many of them, right? First time away from home, Mm -hmm. um, first time not having mom check and see if they're in their bed after curfew or not, Um, right? So just this moral uh, chasm that they're able to fall into but a and is able to attract these people and, and completely preach the gospel, transform their lives, and create Catholics for tomorrow. Mm. Well, that's that's wonderful. So as we're wrapping up the show, do you guys have any closing thoughts? Or All right. Well, then, let's, uh, let's wrap this up with a prayer. Um, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we... Um, we ask you to help us to grow more fervently and vibrantly in love with you, to be the light that pierces the darkness, to really be the, the salt of the earth, to, to find new ways to really engage a world that's hurting and bring your message, your gospel message of hope and healing and love. Um, and help us to always grow more deeply in love with you. We ask this in your most holy and perfect name. Uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's Seminarian Show. You can hear this show every Saturday at 11.30 and Sunday at 1 p.m. and in the audio archives at stgabrielradio.com. The Seminarians is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of The Seminarians and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com. So